Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Well, we began a new series last Sunday entitled Ministering to the Lord. And let me just review a couple things to get everybody, and then we'll head into some new territory today. Did you know that your highest calling on this earth, I want you to think about it, your highest calling on this earth is to minister to the Lord? Four of you. Highest calling. Number one reason you are here is to love him, adore him, praise him, thank him. Come on, somebody. God created man with a heart to worship. Sin has hijacked that heart, and people worship many other things. But how many of you know when you're born again and God begins to restore that heart to minister to the Lord, to worship the Lord, that's what you ought to do. Amen? Psalm 43, 4 says this. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, oh God, my God. Be interesting if if I just, without knowing what I'm preaching on, just came up to you and say, hey, what is, where do you find your joy and your delight? I, w- I wonder really if there's anybody here that says my greatest joy, my greatest delight is just to be with him. Psalm 1611 says this, you have made known to me the path of life You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You've made known to me the path of life. What what is the path of life that was made known to the psalmist? I believe it was the path of life into his presence. And there you'll find what? Joy. Eternal pleasures. How many know we live in a society that will do anything for a good time? It's all about just, just give me something to feel good. Well, God has the answer to that, friend. It's in his presence. Would you say amen? Amen. So last week I made it plain, and this is important, that we don't minister to the Lord because he needs our ministry to him. Not like God is discouraged. Would you go minister to the Lord and encourage him? No, 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 no. We minister to the Lord because it's the path into his presence And there he can minister to us. We are the ones who need the ministry to. We are the ones who need what he has. So God says, would you bless me? Praise me. It'll lift you above into my presence. And there you can receive what you need. And I encourage you last week to to schedule some praise breaks in your day. If you have to set your alarm, 10 a.m., What'd that alarm go off for? Oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. I get to work. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for my bologna sandwich. Now, listen. Somebody might say, Pastor, I've tried this. Even in our worship services, I sing and I praise the Lord. I just feel like I somehow don't quite end up in the presence of God. I hear other people talk about it. I see somebody across the way with tears in their eyes. They're experiencing something that, that, that I just seemingly don't know much about. Can you help me? Yes, I want to help you today. I want to talk about 
why you can enter his presence, probably the biggest hindrance to get there, and then some things God wants to do when you're there. That's where we're headed today. All right, now, there is only one reason that any of us are allowed in God's presence. Bottom line, it's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that covers our sins, that washes us clean, that when applied to our lives and the Father sees us, he sees us not as sinful, but he sees us as washed and pure and righteous and holy. And with that covering of the blood of Jesus over our lives, we can come into his presence. If you just heard what I said, raise your right hand. It's really important. Okay, only reason, all right? When, when I come before the Lord, I don't say, well, <clears throat> I'm a distinguished pastor, Lord. Please let me in. I helped three old ladies across the street today. Please let me in. Never, none of that. When I wake up in the morning and I sit before the Lord, it's, it's the same thing. This part's the same every morning because I want to make sure that I remind myself why I'm allowed in. I say, Lord, the only reason I can spend time with you is because of that blood covering. Would you wash me afresh today? Would you cover me afresh today? Because without that covering, I'm not coming in. Come on, if you got that this morning, say, I got it. All right? Um, think about this. When Adam and Eve sinned, they felt naked. They clothed themselves with fig leaves. The Lord reclothed them. What did the Lord reclothe them with? Animal skins. Why? Did the Lord not like their look in fig leaves? Because animal skins wash better? Why did God reclothe them with animal skins? It's really simple. Because in order to get animal skins, you have to shed blood. Okay, look at this verse from the Old Testament. Hebrews 9.22 says this. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness. So God himself covered. Uh, at that point, before sacrifices, they even knew anything about. God himself made the sacrifice so there would be shed blood to cover Adam and Eve. Go, go, go to the next slide. All right, listen. I'm going to sing the first verse, and you're going to answer back, all right? What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Now together. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Think about the answers when you ask somebody. Are you right with God? Think about what people say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a pretty good person. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. Oh, 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 yeah. I, I believe in God. Think about those answers. Being a pretty good person will not let you in because pretty good doesn't cover sin. The blood of Jesus does. Come on, somebody. I'm working on it. What do you need to work on if Jesus did it all? If he already paid for the price, the work is done. I believe in God. Which one? Do you believe in the God who sent his son to die on a cross, 
to shed his blood so that you could be covered. That's why Acts 4.12 says this. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Come on, somebody. If you want to be right with God, there is no way to be right with God without coming through that blood. There's no way. It's the only provision for the forgiveness of sin. No other name, no other sacrifice. Is anybody listening this morning? And you know what a good day to get right with God is? Somebody say today. You know why today? Because none of us are promised tomorrow. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Somebody in this room today. Today. Today is the day. Amen? Now, understanding what I just said, that leads to the greatest hindrance of why people have a hard time getting into God's presence. Because here's what's happened. You begin to worship, and the devil says, who do you think you are? God's not going to let you in. I know, you know what's really going on. That word that slipped out of your mouth this week, that meanness, whatever. Okay, the devil reminds you of your shortcomings and tries to put us back in the plane that I have to live good enough to get in. You understand what he's trying to do? He's trying to defeat you before you ever, ever get in, okay? Listen, if it depended on our goodness, none of us are in. None of us. Come on, somebody. When the devil says, who do you think you are? Well, I say, I say, I'm nobody, but I know who he is. He shed his blood. He made a way. He died on the cross. Come on, somebody. I'm covered in his righteousness, and because of what he did, I can come in. So devil, shut up. Sit down. Amen. Are you listening this morning? Just out of curiosity, how many of you ever, you start your prayer time, you begin to worship, and you feel, I'll just put it this way, kind of the load of condemnation. Just, just pushing back on you. Who do you think you are? And any, anybody, am I, am I like preaching to? Come on, somebody. I know it. It's his number one uh, tactic to keep people from God's presence. I want to read you Romans 8, 1 and 2 from the Message Bible. I like the way it's worded. It says this. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cow, that condemnation. A new power is in operation. Hallelujah. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. So understanding how we come Then you'll understand Hebrews 4.16, which says this. Let us approach the throne of God with confidence. Okay, what is the confidence we approach? Not hooey, not that confidence. What's the confidence? The confidence not in us, in, in what he did. Therefore, with that confidence of what Jesus did, it's enough. We may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen? So it's not self-confidence, it's confidence in what Jesus did. Somebody say what Jesus did is enough. Go to that next slide if you will. Imagine four boys standing outside the home of Ray Lewis. Now he has sold this home, but this was once his home. 
And they are trying to get enough boldness to go knock on the door to ask for his signature. And one of the boys says to the other three, follow me. Doesn't even knock on the door. Pushes it open, goes in. Finds Ray Lewis, says, hey, dad, these three want your signature. Why could they go right in? Blood related. Anybody in this room, the blood of Jesus has washed away your sin? Friend, you're blood related to the king. Come on, somebody, the devil has no right to keep you out of God's presence. Just say the blood, the blood. I'm, I'm telling you, listen, listen. If you could see what happens when the devil or a demon and you begin to say the blood, the blood, they're cringing. They're saying, oh, don't go there. No, 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 not the blood. Because, friend, that blood covering is more than enough to cleanse us, to wash us, to break bonds. Is anybody in the house listening this morning? Amen. Quit letting the devil condemn you. Amen. So how do we get in? It's the blood of Jesus. It's what Jesus has done. Now, once you're in his presence, I want to I talk to you about what happens. Yes, once you're there, there's, there's peace, there's joy, eternal pleasures at his right hand. But something else is inevitably going to happen, and I want to talk to you about that, because if you don't understand that, it, it's going to throw you for a loop. And, and what, what inevitably is going to happen is he's going to begin to work on you. Because God wants you to get in his presence so he can bless you, and so that he can get out of you every, every seed that has the potential to destroy you. God's presence is not only a place of spiritual blessings, but it's also God's operating room. He is the great surgeon. And as he looks around at all of us, he sees what's in us that needs to go, that has the potential, the seed that the enemy can use to take advantage of us. And God says, I want to get it out of you before it kills you. Are you listening? Psalm 51, 17 says this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite, O oh God, you will not despise. So once in the room, God begins to work on us. And what's our attitude? Our attitude should be, Lord, whatever you need to do. God, whatever you want to do, get it out of me. Work on me. Come on, anybody listen this morning? Yeah, you got to understand that about God because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna sense that, all right? Because he is a holy God. What does the word holy mean? The word holy means set apart or pure, all right? How many of you know God is not like anything on this earth? He is so far above, so pure, so glorious, and he is working in you. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says this, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. All right, so, so let me help you understand this. So we come before God, not in our own righteousness, but under this covering that Jesus puts over us, his holiness, his shed blood. The Father sees that and says, come in, you're covered, you're covered, come in. But the truth is, underneath that covering, there's a human being that God still needs to do some work in. So in his presence, God begins to operate and to work. Is it sometimes painful? Yeah, but you gotta cooperate. Let, let, let me give you some examples, all right? 
In the Old Testament, there were some times when God drew near. Genesis 35.1 says this. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Anybody know what word Bethel? It's really made of two words. Beth, house, El, God. It's the house of God. All right? So Jacob had met with God at Bethel, and now he's bringing in, God's saying, I want you to come back. And and Jacob is anticipating a meeting with God. So here's what he tells his family in verses two and three. He says, so Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. What does Jacob understand about what's gonna happen in the presence of God? It's, can't, can't take an idol in there, man. If there's an idol in your life, God's gonna strip that of you. Come on, somebody. How many you know in America, when we talk about idols, we're not talking about wooden statues that you bow down to. We're talking about things that have taken a place in our lives that they shouldn't have. Come on, somebody. Amen? Yeah, I, I can tell some idols just by what happens if the service goes over a little and some of you know the Ravens kickoff is gonna happen, man. You're, you're, a, you know. It's, like, look, I'm, I'm a sports guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan, but, but first things first. Come on, think about it. Ravens lose, you're disappointed. You'd have been better off in his presence where there's fullness of joy. Yeah, you listen this morning, amen. Come on, somebody, amen, amen. So, so God, so, so Jacob understands. Man, I'm taking my household to, to the house of God. We got, we gotta, I'm gonna lay this stuff aside. And he's, he, he's, you know, foreshadowing what happens when you come into the presence of God. God begins to strip away that which he sees. Now look, God's not a killjoy. He doesn't ask us to give things up just to see if we will, just to see, you understand? He, he, he's serious about coming after what he knows is destructive in our lives. Amen? All right. There are lots of Christians who when you talk about ministering to the Lord would love to come into the presence of God and receive the blessings. But not as many who want to cooperate with the stripping process. Man, it just got quiet in here. Come on, somebody. If I told you in the presence of God, there are eternal pleasures. Woo! In the presence of God, God is going to strip you of everything that's not of him. Not so woo. But I'm trying to help you this morning because it's going to happen. Be prepared. Amen? All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, just skip through. Just, just go skip through Ezra 10. I, I want to get to, I want to talk about number one. Just skip through. There you are. Thank you. Two things I want to talk about today that I believe are some of the first things that God comes after when you begin to hang out with him. Number one, you're going to have to lay aside the ill feelings you have towards others. Okay, now I want you to think about this. You come into the presence of God and God doesn't even remember your sin anymore. It's forgiven. It's washed away. And do not underestimate your sin load that God washed away. Oh, he's a pretty good person. I, I probably only sinned seven times a day. Seven times 365, you got saved at 35, multiplied up. You're gonna find out your sin load was pretty big. 
and God washed it away. So who do we think we are to bring into the presence of a forgiving God the offenses that we're holding on to? God says you're going to have to lay it down. You're going to have to forgive. And you can. With the same forgiveness that I've given you, you can be forgiven. Colossians 3.13 says this. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Everybody, everybody read this with me. Go. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Suggestion or command? Command. All right, let, let, let's get down to where the rubber meets the road. There are a lot of Christians who pretend to be nice because they know that Christians should be nice. But in, underneath that facade can be a raging inferno because of their need to forgive. Did you hear what I just said? Okay. So, so think about it. God, God in a moment of brokenness. Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. God says, I'll do it. Wash it away. My blood covers it all. Who are we to come into his presence and say, but brother such and such, he didn't shake my hand this Sunday. I'm offended. Now, I'm, I'm not underestimating the degree of offense way beyond a lack of a handshake that have happened to some of you in this room, whether it's molestation, abandonment. I mean, there's all kinds of horrific things that happen to people. But I want you to listen this morning. Holding on to the offense gives the enemy ground to continue to torment you. See, the, the reason God wants you free from relationship entanglements is because he wants you free from relationship entanglements. And the key is to forgive. How serious is God about this? Matthew 5, he said, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and therefore remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Come on. How many of you know God saved you to walk in freedom? He saved you to walk in freedom. He did. So but listen, you say, but pastor... Right off my own ear. You say, Pastor, it hurts. What they did to me hurts. It affects me. They did it when I was a kid, and years later, I still feel the effect of the abuse or whatever it was. Listen, in order for God to heal you of the hurt, you're going to have to forgive first. Unforgiveness locks in the pain of the offense. I know it doesn't make sense. You say, well, if God, if God would just make me feel better, I'd gladly forgive. It doesn't work that better. Listen, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus did not look at this world and say, get your act together, and then I'll come. He came in the midst of the devastation and pain. True? And he forgave. And so God says, forgive. It's a choice. It's a choice. Separate from the pain that you feel. Make the choice to forgive. That opens the door for the healing from the hurt that was done. If you understand that, raise your right hand. It's so important. Amen? Now, Proverbs 8, 13. And this leads to the second thing, but it kind of connected to the first thing. 
To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse, perverse speech. The other thing that God's coming after real quick, number two, you're going to have to lay down your pride. You, you, you can't hang around the Lord in his presence and be prideful. It just, it just doesn't work because you, you, you realize who he is, who you are in relation to him. It tears you up. It breaks you up. And, and it's, it's not that you feel like, like a nothing. You just have a right perspective of who he is and who I am. Come on, somebody. Are, are you listening? A laying down of, of your pride. And you got to reach a place. Listen, I can't control how you treat me. I have no control over you. Can't, can't, can't control how you're going to treat me, what you're going to say to me, how, how I'm going to be hurt tomorrow. But what I ha- do have control over is how much I allow your actions to get inside of me. Do you hear what I just said? Come on, I, I don't know who's going to cut me off on the way home from church. I don't, I don't know who's going to say something this week. I, I don't know. Can't control that. But what I can do is keep my heart in a place that, that I, I already determined I'm not going to be offended and I'm going to forgive if I am. Are you listening this morning? Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you this morning. How many people out there, listen, are not in church today because somebody in church offended them? They didn't forgive them. It grew and grew. How many know offenses grow? Became bitterness. They left. They hate people. They hate God simply because they didn't humble themselves. And somebody say, forgive. James 4.10 says this. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. What will he do? He will exalt you. Now, almost done. Last thing. What has God done, or what what did Jesus do on the cross to take care of our selfish and pridely desires? Something was done on the cross to win that battle. Galatians 2.20 is the answer. I'll take you there. Maybe you'll see the answer there. Paul wrote one of my favorite verses. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you were crucified with Christ, what does that make you? A dead man. A dead woman. No one who is crucified lives to tell about it. You understand? So if your pride, arrogance, revenge, if all that died on the day Jesus died, then theologically, you're already dead. Why do I struggle so much if I'm dead? Because you don't believe it. Because you don't wake up every morning and say, Father, today that old man is dead with you. I'm living just for you. It's pretty simple, but a lot of people bypass it. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many know know you died in Jesus on the cross? Amen. Uh, Some of you fight every day with who's in control. Just let Jesus win that battle. Amen. All right, listen, let's review. My heart through this series I want to get more of you, all of us, into God's presence in this crazy day and age we live in 
We need what he has for us there. We need it. We desperately need the peace that passes understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. God has it there. There's only one way we come. We come through. Somebody say the blood. The blood. Not your own righteousness. Through the blood. Once there, God begins to minister to you. And he also begins to work on you. Because God is very serious. Come on, somebody. How do you know God's preparing you for heaven? You're his bride. He's getting you ready. He's saying, man, I don't want the junk you're carrying up in heaven. Let's, let's work on it now. Some people say, well, I'll just carry it up there. He'll get rid of it when I get there. That's not his plan. His plan is to work on us now, right? He who began a good work in you, the Bible says, he's going to bring it to completion. He's very committed to working in us. And two things today that I want you to know. I believe he wants to work on today. He wants you to forgive and he wants you to be humble in his sight. Is there anybody that doesn't have communion that would like it? Because we're gonna enter into this in just a moment. If you need communion, would you just raise your hand? Is there anybody? Do we do such a good job that everybody in this place has communion? Man, that's wonderful. All right, we missing anybody? We good? Raise, right down here, Rhonda, down here, somebody, anybody else? We got people ready to give it out if we need it. If the balcony, we're all good. Let you serve her. All right, listen. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, everybody in the house today, because there's something I need to ask you before we go into communion. I, w- I want to know if you have been washed in the precious blood of Jesus, if you know that your sins have been washed away because you have cried out to Jesus to forgive you. And he has. If you are here and you're not sure, or you're sure that you've never had him do that, we said earlier that today is a day of salvation. Today is a day because the price has been paid All has been done in preparation for your forgiveness, in preparation for your entrance into the kingdom. The only thing left is for you to respond and say yes. Think about it. God in heaven wants to forgive you. He wants to wash you clean. He knocks on our heart's door. He says, are you listening? I want to forgive you. But only you can open the door of your heart and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to let you come in and I want to be forgiven. And I'm looking for somebody here today that says, Pastor, you're talking to me. I need to be forgiven. I want to be forgiven. Today, I'm going to open the door of my heart and I'm going to invite Jesus to come in and allow the precious blood that he shed to wash me clean. If I'm talking to you, would you just raise your hand? I'm not asking you to do this. I'm going to embarrass you. But it's, it shows you're responding right now. You're responding to the Spirit of God drawing you for Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand in the back. Thank you, ma'am. Someone else here today. Come on. Someone else here today. Up in the balcony. I'm looking all around. I'm probably missing. It's hard to see up here. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In my, in my Sunday school class today, 
talked about the greatest day of my life. I said there were two greatest days. The day I was born and the day I was born again. Because nothing else could happen until I was born. And the day I was born again at 18 years of age, that's the day Jesus washed me clean. It doesn't get any better than that. And I believe God's going to do it for you this morning. Listen, if you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The congregation is going to pray with you to support you. And I believe God is going to do it right now as you ask him to. Okay? So those of you, praise your hand. You're going to pray with me. Everybody's going to pray with me. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. That I need to be forgiven. I believe you died for me, Jesus. You shed your blood so that I could be clean. Right now, I open the door of my heart. Come in, Jesus. Wash me clean. Breathe your life upon me. I'll live for you, and I'll praise your name. Now, I, I want to pray. You don't have to pray after me. Just, just praying for those of you who raised your hand who just prayed that prayer. Lord, make it real to them, Lord. God, make it real to them that as you look at them right now on the other side of that prayer, they're covered in your righteousness. They're forgiven, God. Holy Spirit, breathe your life in them and let them never be the same. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Here's what we're going to do today. In just a few moments, I'm going to release you to take communion when you feel like you're ready. The Bible says the communion is the time to examine our hearts, to look inside, to make sure, you know, that, that, that all is well. And if while I'm preaching or, or when you get on your knees or you bow your head, the Lord reveals somebody you need to forgive. Or you already know. It's as simple as this. Lord, because you've forgiven me, I choose to forgive Jack for Whatever he did, I lay it at your feet, and it's done. Come on, somebody. I want you to examine your heart for issues of pride, whatever. I want you just to humble yourself before the Lord. And when you feel like you're ready, I want you to take Holy Communion before the Lord. These altars are open. You're willing to come down here, kneel before the Lord. Talk to the Lord for a little bit and take communion. We're not going to have an official close to the service when you feel like you're done. You can slip out. I just ask you to be respectful of others who may be lingering in the presence of God. Father, thank you for the privilege it's ours to come into your presence. We don't take lightly what you give us in your presence and your surgeon work on our hearts. So, Father, we take this time to examine ourselves before we partake. In Jesus' name.